Hey guys, welcome to the show. This week we are dealing with a very confrontational subject and that is the state of the economy, what the government's doing well, and what society is doing well, what the government's not doing so well, and what society is not doing well. It's going to be very confrontational. We're going to look at the trends in the job market, we're going to look at the trends in the economic statistics, but most importantly, we're going to look at a route map that's going to help just about everybody find themselves in a better position financially than what they might be right now. Hope you enjoyed the show. See you in there. Hey there guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my faithful offsider, Mr. Mitchell Renshaw. Thank you for having me on the show, Mr. Baxter. Now, I've got a topic that's probably going to get you nice and riled up, which is exactly the way I like it, and that is the economy as it stands right now. A lot's changed since we spoke about it probably three or four months ago at the start of coronavirus. There's been some immense changes in what's gone on and some interesting things coming out along the news flow. Mm, it is. They're tricky times to navigate for most people. We're certainly in uncharted territory and I pride myself on you know nearly 30 years in this game and what we're seeing in this recession is certainly very different to what any economist would predict. It's probably a lot different what the uh, the um, government would predict in terms of some of the stimulus packages. It's certainly very different to what the RBA would have predicted. So let's see if we can help people traverse that and deal with the reality rather than the fear of people's own shadows. That's the main thing and that's where I want to start this broadcast off, broadcast off is the perception of the economy mm. versus the reality. What are your thoughts on this? Look, we're supposed to be in a recession, and I say supposed to be, and that's a comment that may seem a little bit flippant for someone that's doing it tough. Maybe you've lost your job, and if you have, um, you know, accept our heartfelt feelings and let's give you a rehab plan to help you get back on the horse. But um, if you haven't, um, it doesn't really feel like we're in a recession at all. And if I talk to you know, any one of a number of people I know in business, and I know we've had this conversation you know, previously, everyone's flat out busy. Every person that I've asked who's got a job or is in business, I say, how are you doing? You know, you're traveling around. They go, yeah, yeah, as busy as I've ever been. Mm, and it's interesting, isn't it? Yet yeah, you would expect, you know, the doom and gloom of, oh, it's terrible. You know, and there are sectors of the economy that obviously are doing it tough, and I'm sure we'll touch on those as we go through. But it just seems to be very different. Now, let's look at some numbers rather than a few conversations with mates uh, over the water fountain at the gym or at the pub. Um, if we look at consumer confidence and consumer spending, it's 8% higher than it was this time last year. That amazes me, that truly does. When you mentioned that to me this morning, I could not believe it. So we're seeing people spend, um, and look, there are sources of monies that are going into the economy, which uh, again, are, are questionable um, as to their long-term sustainability. But right now, here and now, we are in the groups of a supposed recession, yet we've got people spending like it's going out of fashion. You know, they're spending like drunken sailors on a shore visit. And, 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 and that's just not what anybody would have expected as you look down the double barrels of the shotgun of what is a recession normally. People usually hold on to money, not go, go crazy and spend it. And, and it's spending on all sorts of things, sporting goods, four-wheel drive accessories, camping and travel accessories, white goods for the house. Toilet paper. Sounds like a lot of things you might need during a recession, right? If you're going on all these camping holiday trips. Yeah. So where does that money come from? And I guess, you know, if you, if, if you sort of look out, there's been early access to super. I think the number is something like $40 billion has been accessed through that uh, government scheme of early access to super. And that money has to go somewhere. And, you know, I guess in some respects, people are calling on that money because they're going through hard times. And I think perhaps there is another section of the economy where people are pulling on that money to have a great time. Well, I mean, you think about it, more super, JobKeeper, in some instances, people are getting paid more than what they're used to earning. And payment holidays and things like that on mortgages, there's a bit of extra free cash flow there to go and buy a new pair of runners. Very much so. I mean, JobKeeper is an interesting one. So, you know, and, and, and in all fairness to the government, you know, a lot of this economic policy has, uh, let's just call it what it is, has been made up on the fly. There's been a requirement to make you know, some pretty big decisions dollar-wise. 
with not a lot of statistical evidence to support the decision making because quite oftentimes you'll make a decision and the results follow it as opposed to you've got a model going in. Um, yeah, with a huge specter of a global turndown and recession there. So it's been an unenviable task uh, for, for, the, for the Treasury team, for sure. Um, but you take something like JobKeeper, 1500 a fortnight, and one in four people on JobKeeper are earning more on JobKeeper uh, than they did when they were working, uh, which is, as you say, part of the reason why we're seeing perhaps a little bit of a spike in that spending, because, hey, I've got more money than I had, and I'm not working at the moment. Hey, might as well get a new TV to watch. Uh, Netflix. If you were half smart, you'd save it towards your next house. That aside, I mean, let's talk about decisions for a moment. The first thing I want to cover off specifically is the fact that the RBA has maintained interest rates at 0.25%. Does this mean anything and will it change anything? I don't think it's going to make that much difference uh, for a number of reasons. You know, uh, and they they certainly came in for a little bit of criticism uh, from one sector of the economy. And you've got to do everything you can to help business right now. Um, but a cut in interest rates from 0.25 to, uh, let's say, 0.1, if that was the decision that was made. Um, if you have a mortgage or borrowing at this point in time and you're able to service it, that, that cut, given how low interest rates are at the moment anyway, is barely going to have an impact. So really no marginal changes. Not if you're someone that's servicing your mortgage. And if you're someone that can't service your mortgage, well, you've got a six-month payment holiday anyway. So even if you were to cut interest rates, it's not going to have an immediate effect. It's going to be delayed for when that payment holiday comes to an end for many people, um, which, you know, this five months or four months up the sleeve uh, of the RBA before they've actually got to implement that. So they may choose to make that decision down the track. And, you know, once, once you've opened the door and the cat's out of the bag, it's out. You can't then change it. So um, I think, you know, they're probably doing quite a good job of not caving into a little bit of pressure and actually seeing things for as they are. And that, that consumer confidence uh, number in retail spending would be one of the reasons probably why they've held off. Uh, the other side of the coin is that cutting interest rates even more really hurts anybody that's got savings or really any kind of investment. So if you're a self-funded retiree, and this is a group that has had very, very little help um, through the crisis that we've seen so far, uh, and, and oftentimes are seen as the whipping boy, you know, you've worked on, you've got all this money, you're retired, what do you need help for? These are people that are doing it tough too, because any return on your money at lower interest rates um, comes down. If you're holding cash, you're getting less on it if you're in the bond market. And, and again, this is something a lot of people don't understand. If interest rates are cut, that's the risk-free rate of return getting lower. And when the risk-free rate of return gets lower, all investment returns trickle down as well, whether that be the stock market and dividends, yield on property, corporate bonds, everything comes down. And that really does impact on people that are net in a savings position and are investors. Does that mean they'll begin to start chasing returns through, say, corporate bonds, potentially they shouldn't be Mm. usually investing and taking more risk? Yeah, look, I've seen that a couple of times too, and you do come a cropper doing that, you know, for a lot of self-funded retirees, um, you know, that need to generate more income from from a fixed pool of asset. If you're not working anymore, you can't top it up. Um, has resulted in people chasing yield. And we saw you know, mortgage funds, for example, during the GFC uh, really blow up. They're offering investors, you know, 13, 14% return, uh, but, you know, the capital's all gone. So it wasn't that good an investment for people that were caught up in those. And look, your security on a mortgage fund, if it's second mortgage, is it's non-existent virtually anyway. So they're very high risk investment despite how they've been portrayed in the past. So you've got to be very minded not to chase returns. So now I think the RBA's decision 
was the right decision. Okay. Um, they'll come into a lot of flack because there are a lot of people unemployed and that number is increasing. We just saw another uh, couple of thousand come out uh, from 3,000 from Virgin this morning. So you know, the unemployment rate is going to continue to go up, but that cut in interest rates, I don't necessarily think um, is going to have any kind of immediate impact on the economy. And I think the RBA have been quite smart keeping their powder dry. Great. Good, some good advice there. No cut, no change. Let's segue that into then maybe something probably not as good news is the cuts in the Virgin, you know, Virgin employment. They've just laid off 3,000 staff. They've pretty much axed Tiger Air, which is their budget version of their airline. Mm. What are your thoughts? Is this the new norm? But very sad, firstly. I mean, we've had a long affiliation with Virgin. I don't know how many million miles we've clocked up with them over time. Uh, and I really feel for, for, for the people there because it's tough. Um, and, and, and this leaves, it leaves an individual in a very, very precarious position. In the economy right now, there are very clearly winners and losers. You know, we're looking at payment, um, you know, payment service companies like Afterpay doing very, very well. We're looking at the mining sector doing very well. And we'll talk about some of the other stocks that aren't shortly. If you're employed or have been in the case of the staff at Virgin uh, or Tiger, should I say, uh, in, a, in a sector that's very vulnerable, and let's face it, travel and tourism are probably up there at the sort of zenith of high-risk professions right now in terms of job security. You could probably follow that up with hospitality and, and a few others sort of filling in behind. Um, unless you've had the ability to pivot, which is very hard to do as an employee, the outlook is pretty bleak. You know, when are you going to be booking a flight to go overseas or travel domestically? You can't. So, I mean, Queensland locked its borders today to the southern states. So all of a sudden, that notion of being able to fly anywhere is just simply not possible. And if you're employed in a sector that does that, it's, it's never been more important to pivot and to retool and to reskill and, and very urgently move into a new space. Um, and that's quite hard to do because there have been an awful lot of shell-shocked people today that have been laid off and look, and again, not being flippant or condescending, it probably comes as no surprise, but like all of us, if we're in that position, you're just hoping it's not gonna happen and hope's not a strategy, unfortunately. Um, it has happened. So let's say you're in a situation where you know, you've been laid off. What are your prospects of regaining employment in the airline industry you know, in the next six to 12 months? And the answer is pretty low because you know, there's 3,000 at Tiger, there were 6,000 at Qantas not too long ago. There will be more to come because people simply aren't traveling and, and companies don't have the ability to pay benefits open-ended when the cash register is not turning over. And I'm sure we'll, we'll talk a bit about some of the government um, stimulus in a minute, which probably will open the door on that. So for someone in that position, it's very difficult. We'd love you to reach out to us. I promise you we'll look after you um, with something that's going to help you rebuild, retool, and take some of that financial pressure off. Because you know the biggest danger, let's say you got laid off and you've been given a redundancy package. Let's say it's 30 grand. I and mean, it could be more, could be less, doesn't matter. You've got 30 grand now and you think, well, I, I've got to go into conservation mode and hold on to this very, very tight. Uh, the challenge is, in six months' time, if you haven't got a job, that 30 grand that you're holding on tight, you've cut down your discretionary spending, but you're gonna get through it and you've got less of an asset to work with over here. Mm. My suggestion would be if you're in that situation, use that money wisely and get it working for you. Upskill, get educated and get that money working and in six months' time, if you don't have a job, at least you've got that money working in a way where it's gonna last a lot longer and get you there. The worst thing you do is be, holding on to it and not investing in yourself. Don't spend it, don't be crazy and go to Harvey Norman and do something like that. I'm mean, going with Harvey Norman, great stock. Um, yeah, but don't be doing anything nuts like that. Invest in yourself and learn how to manage that nest egg very, very quickly because things are not likely to change for you in that chosen profession. Alternatively, seek 
uh, a different sector pretty quickly because there's no no light at the end of the tunnel for the airlines, unfortunately. It's simple advice, but it's good advice. And look, I mean, there's somewhat, what, 42 million, say, for example, Americans that are unemployed at mm. the moment. Do you think we'll continue to see the unemployment trend increase the way it is at the moment here in Australia? I think there are two ways of looking at it. I think we're going to see unemployment increase, and I went public on that a couple of weeks ago, so I think we'll see 20% unemployment if you look at the, the real number, sure. uh, as opposed to the, the, the seasonally adjusted, statistically uh, nailed number that's a little bit lower. Uh, and I think we'll see that get up to 20%. I mean, that number, by the way, isn't six or seven, it's actually 13 in reality, so we're not that far off from 20. Josh Frydenberg also confirmed that too, didn't he? Absolutely, and I, and I think he's played a pretty straight bat through this, and he's in a very, very difficult position. Um, the amount of moving parts going on right now it, it would be enough to, to um, really challenge any Treasury uh, Minister uh, right now, and he's doing a reasonable job with the situation he's been given, and everyone's going to say they're not doing enough, but this is just such an unknown playbook that you've just got to kind of work through what comes next and, and build it as you go on. So for someone that's in that unemployed state, or in terms of what I think we're going to see with unemployment, there, there are two things. There's unemployment and then there's underemployment, and that's where people have got a job. Let's face it, if you work two hours a week, technically you're not unemployed. So you can see how that statistic sure. uh, can easily be manipulated. If you've got a part-time job where you're doing some casual work, you work five hours a week, full intents and purposes, you don't have a job. But you don't count on the unemployment figure. So I think you're going to see quite an increase in underemployment where people are starting to take any job to keep that cash flow happening. And I sure. encourage people to do that. Um, you're better off doing something and keeping in the workforce and keeping the cash flow ticking over than sitting on the sidelines waiting for things to change because this one's going to last a while. Or you could be sitting on the sidelines getting JobKeeper, which, as you said, in one in four cases is more than what they're being paid mm-hmm. typically in their job. So let's segue that into stimulus packages. And I did say I was going to roll you up. So let's dive into this right now. There's been a couple of... Don't do this to me. I'm sorry. It's a beautiful thing. I have to. to I'm sorry. So there's been really two new uh, initiatives that have been released over the past few days. And one of those is the triple guarantee and one of those is the $1,500 disaster payment. What are your thoughts? Where do you start? (laughs) I'm just going to give our editing team uh, a little bit of work to do. But let's let's start with... um, yeah, the triple gear. Let's start with the, the, the job keeper first of all. So one in four people are getting paid more than what they did when they were working, which is just unconscionable. That's the taxpayers' money uh, being totally torched um, by people that, that are not exploiting a system, they're just playing the rule book. That's not their fault, they're just playing the rule book. Um, the worst thing about that whole scenario with JobKeeper though, and this is the, the, the issue that probably gripes me and any business owner more than anything, if you have people that are on JobKeeper and let's say you've got them laid off and say, we've got no work, here's your 1500 a fortnight. Um, when we've got something, we'll let you know. In the meantime, as the employer, you're still accruing all of the holiday and sick pay for those people. It's ludicrous. And so they potentially are at home to all intents and purposes on unforced leave, I get that. But they're not working, yet you're having to double up and cover their leave and their sick pay. And it's absolutely ridiculous uh, because from an employer's perspective, if you've laid people off, there's no turnover in the business. Yet your debt and liability is increasing and you've got no money to pay it with. And I suspect what you're going to see coming over the hill uh, you know, in three to six months' time are a lot of smaller businesses folding. But because of the structuring that they've got, and they haven't maybe had good advice in terms of, and let's face it, most small businesses don't have access to really good quality advice on either corporate structuring and tax management and so on. They kind of, they're too busy trying to get the wheels turning and make a living and maybe employ some people. Um, as the employee, you could become personally liable for those expenses that you have no money coming in the business, the accrued holiday pay and sick pay, 
and you could potentially go bankrupt on the back of it and all you try to do is keep your business going and some of the advice that we're seeing coming out now is if you feel that you're in that position close your business down so you don't accrue that liability and i actually agree with that i think you're better off cutting it now stopping the job keeper for those people because it's a ghost job bad news for those people but even worse news for you if you're acquiring if you're accruing all of these expenses that you're going to be personally liable through no fault of your own so that's one flaw that's in the system and i know it will get modified you know it was put out very very quickly to try and keep some air in the tires um but if, if the business is done close it sure. you shouldn't be keeping it on life support if it's gone it's gone and, start loss. and it's a waste of the taxpayers money to do that sure the business is gone the job's gone there are better ways that you could keep that business afloat. And one of the things I've been a huge advocate of is cutting the corporate tax rate. And that's not making the rich richer. It just means that the cash flow within the business is going to be easier to sustain more employees. The money's being directed in the right way in terms of keeping the business going. And people have got the dignity of still actually having a job. Now, of course, people say, well, you know, the boss makes more money. No, they don't, because to be able to pull that money out, you're still going to pay your marginal tax rate. You're going to pay full tax on it anyway. So there's no extra benefit for you sure. as an individual. It means that the business has got a far higher probability of surviving, which long term for the economy is what should be happening. It's pretty smart. And um, look, talking about getting paid, let's talk now about the disaster payment, which is $1,500 if you're in trouble. Don't do this to me. How far is $1,500 going to go? Is it really, should you be spending it? There's plenty, so many questions that come to my mind here. Who's eligible for it? I'd love to get my slab of it too. I'll have some. You know, the, the reality is this is something that's come along and throwing some money to say, oh, I'm sorry, there's a disaster. If you're in lockdown, and again, we're going to get our haters for this, and I don't say this um, to stir people up. You know, something I feel very passionate about as a taxpayer and as an employer, um, and, and, and we've all got our right to have an opinion on this. Um, the reality is if you're in lockdown, why do you need more money? You can't spend anything. You should be saving. Good opportunity to regroup your know, food and things like that coming in, but you don't need to uh, be buying a new pair of sneakers. Uh, well, you don't need fun. to be buying new white goods. You don't need to be buying all this stuff. And getting given money to do that, it's unconscionable. In a, in a, in a, in a functioning economy, People are paid based on the value that they bring to the table. And if you work, you bring value to the table, you get paid more. If you don't work, the value you bring to the table is less and therefore you get paid less. And that's simple economics. And again, that's so right wing to be saying that. If it's right wing, so be it. But it's also the reality of how economics works. Otherwise, we could just all shut up shop and sit at home and get paid for nothing. Exactly. And I'm just not sure with $1,500, the longevity of where that money's supposed to go. It means too little to invest. You can't really spend it on anything that's going to make you more money. What do you have? What else do you spend it on? Food or discretionary goods? I, I, I had an interesting conversation with my local news agent the other day, and I happened to pop in to pick something up. I said, "How'd you go with the seven hundred and fifty dollar one-off for people that are, you know, the one-off payments from the government?" He said, "We have more people high in the shop buying scratches that day than I've ever seen." That doesn't surprise me yeah. one bit. No, it's an extraordinary, extraordinary up. And then that's just anecdotal observations of where some of this is going. Now, if we look at the, the subsidy for people that are in childcare or have got their kids in childcare. Yes, the triple guarantee. Mm. So if you're not working, why are you sending your kids to childcare? You should be taking care of Aren't you a parent? parent? Aren't you supposed to be at home doing this? You might be busy doing your job applications, but do your job as a parent first. Um, you know, and, and that notion of, oh, we'll keep sending the kids over there, albeit at the taxpayer's expense. At some point, somebody has to pay for all of this. And I think, you know, it's probably good for votes. Let's call it what it is. And it's good to sort of get a level of public opinion where we seem to be doing the right thing. But sometimes you've got to take a step back and do what's right. And real leadership is about doing what's right, not what's popular. Sure. And I think we're at a stage now, we're at a very, very critical stage where 
as Josh Frydenberg said, you know, relative to most countries, we're in a far better position economically and debt-wise. And the reason they're saying that isn't to brag, it's not a re-election manifesto. It's very specifically so that when we go to the credit markets, if we need to, we're in better shape than most countries are to do that. But at the same time, you know, they've got to look at where this is going. And we've taken an economy that was nicely in balance in terms of the trade surplus, I'm sorry, big trade deficit, between the budget deficit, budget surplus, which has been totally blown out of the water. And it would be, we've had to use firepower here to try and steward the economy through. But I do believe it's time to have a look at how effective those measures have actually been and bring them into line with something that's perhaps a little bit more sustainable. Sure. And anything that can help business keep people actually at work and employed has to be a good thing. And anything that rewards people, and reward is a tough word, but if you're one in four people that are getting more income by being on JobKeeper than back at work, what's your incentive to go in the workforce? There is none. None. And, and you should never create a society like that because you know work is not an option. You should be a contributing member to society. And look, we've seen this firsthand. We've run adverts um, uh, for some specific roles within a business as a quite well-paid role. And you get two applicants. I could not believe that. We actually had to chase those guys down, mm. do you remember? No one wanted to work here. No. no one wants to work. It's just like, it's crazy. I'm surfing every day. I'm just looking to see what's about. I might come back in a couple of months' time. And, and there's no pain pressure on people to have to step over that line. Yet on the other side of the ledger, a lot of small businesses are experiencing excruciating pain just to try and keep the wheels turning, to stay afloat long enough to get through this. And for those guys, in, particularly in Victoria, that are in lockdown once again, I can only imagine the psychological damage this is doing. It's been tough for a lot of people out there, and I've got very close friends that have been in, in particular in hospitality, that have been shut down, they're back open at the moment, and you hope and pray that it stays that way. This is very, very tough, and, 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 and that pain needs to be spread out, and, and, and it should be an incentive to be on this side of the line, contributing to a fix, rather than being on this side of the line, contributing towards it. It's pretty hard hitting, but it realistically is the truth and people need to hear it out there and so too does the government. So if anyone's listening from the Liberal or Labour parties, please take notes. <laughs> Look, I mean, if only it were so simple. I mean, the moving parts that are being dealt with are huge and they're always going to be the stories of yeah, the, the 1% stories that rile people up and go, I know someone that did this and did that, and uh, which is the sort of you know, typical public opinion on things. You know, you see that minority story. Um, but we are in very, very challenging times and this is a time as a society where we've got to be able to galvanise together and pull through this as opposed to what we have currently, which is arguably the most divisive society I've ever seen in my lifetime, where you've got this sort of dichotomy between people that want to challenge everything and people that recognise that this is a big problem and the only way to survive it is to just try and push through. Take the Nimrod, let's call it Karen, that was at Bunnings the other day berating the staff there and full credit to West Farmers, they have some of the best trained staff on the planet. The team at Bunnings are exemplary what they do and you've got some absolute Nimrod and I hope she's listening to this and she should be thoroughly ashamed of the way that she went about that. Berating people that are just doing their job that they're getting paid to do in an attempt to be great, the greater good for society. If you're told, I don't care what the legislation is, whether it's masks on or masks off, if there's legislation for it, just do the right thing. And be nice to people when you do it. They're only doing their job. There's no excuse uh, for this. There was a police officer assaulted and knocked unconscious the other day by an anti-masker. Like the guy's just doing his job as a police officer, as a female police officer. And she's in a coma now as a result of just going to do a job. And that divisive society is not how we're going to get through this. And they're going to be the haves and the have-nots. And they're going to be the haves and the have-mores. And they're going to be people that are doing really tough. But at the end of the day, 
as the song goes, get my vocal skills going. Here we go. We're one, but we're many. We're all Australian at the end of the day. And if you're not, and if you don't feel you're in that camp, probably best to relocate to another country somewhere in the world because as a nation, as Australia, not as a different states and territories, but as a country, we need to galvanise together to get through this. Good policy from government is a starting point, but good conduct from our citizens is the other. And when both of those things come together, we'll get through this. But the more we clash heads, the more divisive it is between both sides, it's just going to prolong the pain for everybody. And that would be a crying shame because we were the lucky country. I'm not so sure about that. Look, that's both informative and motivational. So thanks for sharing that, AB. Now, we're coming to the end of the broadcast. There's been a lot in here to unpack. Uh, any final words to finish off? Look, the key thing with this is you've got to keep your mindset in check. However bleak and dark it may look outside, there's always an opportunity if you look in the right cupboard. And most people, you know, you just got to keep opening those doors until you see what you want. So what I'd suggest as a game plan, if you're someone that's doing okay at the moment, don't rest on your laurels because things can change massively within companies right now uh, and you may not be okay in a few months' time. If you're, so prepare, dig a well before you need the water. If you're already across this side of the line and maybe the axe has fallen and you're out of work, you've got to ask yourself, what's your game plan either for getting back into the workforce, in which case get retooled very quickly and get in early and be, be prepared to be underemployed if that's what it takes, but stay in the workforce because it's much easier to get hired when you're working than someone that's not. But secondly, if you've got a nest egg of any size, get that nest egg working, whether it's learning more about how to invest so that you can be prudent in what you do, which I would certainly encourage, or if you've got a sufficient nest egg, learn what to do and then get managing it. Because if you leave it six months, that nest egg is going to be far smaller. And this problem is not going away in the next six months. You know, it's a very, very confronting and difficult time, which is different to any other recession that we've seen. There's always been a very specific cause. And sure, there's a cause for this one, but it really is uncharted territory. GFC was easy. It was, you know, the financial markets melted down, market bounced. I've carried on, didn't take long to recover from it. This one is very, very different. When they're talking about no international travels for kind of the next three or four years, you realize in perspective how big this beast actually is. And that is the economy as it stands. There's plenty in there. So AB, thanks very much for sharing. There's plenty out there, so cheers. My pleasure, Mitch, anytime. Well, we said it would be controversial and it quite possibly was. Make sure you give us a rating and a review and we'll look forward to seeing you on next week's show.